let's jump into this message so that I don't keep you here all day. Uh, it is good for us to be here. Um, today, uh, I am actually going to sit on this thing. They're not just going to put it on the stage for show. Uh, I may have overdone it just a little bit this week and had to learn a few things, but that's okay. That's all right. We are in our series called Not. This is not a series. And so that's what we are doing today. This is not a series, and this is the second um, uh, passage in this uh not a series. And so here we are. We're going to look at uh, parables today. We're looking at the, the Passion Week. A lot of people think of the Passion Week as Jesus on the cross, Jesus before Pilate, Jesus before Herod, Jesus before... We, they, we, they think of that's Passion Week. Passion Week starts when Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey. There's passion. People are passionate for Jesus to be there. Jesus is passionate, we talked last week, for people. He was passionate all week. And one of the things that he was passionate about was sharing information with us. He wanted us to have information. It's important, he says, that you have this. And so Passion Week ends up looking like the week before finals, um, you know, or the week before you're going to study for finals if you ever really studied for finals, okay? It's that week where the instructor, the professor is just giving you information and giving you information and giving you information. You're like, man, you're writing as fast as you can. And Jesus is doing this because Jesus is like, I got seven days. And in this seven days, I got to give you all the information that I possibly can. I need you to have this information. And so he starts telling stories and they're called parables. And understand parables are stories that are told to use elements from everyday real life to help it make sense to you. There's one passage in the scripture that says, and without a parable, he did not teach them. Meaning he only taught through parables. He didn't teach them openly anymore. He taught them through parables. And these parables are taught in a way that make you think and wrestle and determine where am I in the story and who am I in the story? And we want to kind of look at that today. In the book of Matthew in Passion Week, in Matthew's account, remember Matthew was there, he lists seven specific actual parables, okay? And, and I'm not talking about metaphors. There's a couple of metaphors in there. But he lists seven actual parables that he tells. And you may or may not be familiar with these, and I would encourage you to read them. Um, Matthew 21 to Matthew 26, and then, you know, kind of read on to the end just because you're there and it's good for you, okay? It's good for what's inside of you. But the first passage, I mean, excuse me, the first parable is the parable of the two sons. It's about obedience and image, Father tells two sons to go out in the field and do such and such a work. The first son says, yes, I'll do it and won't do it. The first son says, I'm not doing it. And then he feels guilty and he does it, okay? The one is trying to maintain his image. Yeah, I'm the good son. I'll do it, but he doesn't do it. He's all about image. The second son, he's all about, well, I'm just going to be honest with you, dad. I'm not going to do it. But he's got a big heart for the father, and so he goes and he actually does it, okay? The next parable that comes up is the parable of the tenants, the parable of the tenants is simply this. A man owns some land. And on this land, he plants a big vineyard. And then he rents the vineyard out to some people that will take care of the vineyard. And what he expects back is a share of the crop. Uh, he wants some of it back. And so the tenants, the people that are renting it out, decide, hey, every time he sends somebody to see how the crop's doing, we'll just kill them. We'll just beat them up. We'll just send them packing. All right? Um, it's, a it's, a, it's a parable about covenant responsibility that was forsaken. That there's an expectation of the, of the landowner to, to some of the crop. Um, the next one is called the wedding banquet. 
And that's, it's a story of a, of a guy, a king, throwing a great banquet for his son. He invites um, all the super elite of the community, all the who's who of Hollywood get to come. And, um, and, and so that's the deal. But when, the, when it's time for the wedding, nobody will come to the wedding. And he's embarrassed. And so he goes out and he invites everybody that wants to come in. It's, it's, a, it's a parable of an invitation ignored. Okay? Um, the, the, the next one is the thief in the night. It's a story of apathetic and lack of vigilance. If, if the, the, the homeowner had known at what time the thief was coming, if he would have sent an invitation or just, you know, a note that said, hey, by the way, going to stop in about 1130, going to tie you all up and rob you guys, if you don't mind, and even if you do, take your big screen TV, going to take you and all your stuff. It, that's what the parable's about. And Jesus says, listen, if he'd have sent you a note, you'd have been ready. You'd have got the security camera, the lights have been on outside, you'd had the police there, okay? But it's a story of people that just got easy in their relationship and ended up getting robbed. Then there's a story of the, the ten virgins. You know, they all are waiting for the big celebration. Again, a wedding feast. And they're waiting on the bridegroom to come. And some of them come prepared and some of them don't come prepared. And when the bridegroom finally shows up, the ones that weren't prepared are out trying to get some more oil. And the five that are there follow the bridegroom in. They shut the door and they can't open the door for them. Kind of a Noah's Ark sort of thing. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Then there's the story of the talents. God has invested you with talents. He, there are things that you just have the ability to do naturally. Um, I'm amazed at people that are administrative. They've got a talent and they're just administrative. They're just good at it. They're just really good at it. To me, it's like, wow, look at that talent. You know, I know it's something that can be learned, but at the same time, it's a talent. It's a gift. Some of you, numbers come easy to you, okay? I, I took, uh, you know, ninth grade algebra a couple of times, two or three times, I don't know. And then I took it again in college just because it was fun. You know, not really. But numbers just weren't my things. I didn't care about numbers. I cared about colors. I cared about drawing. I cared about, you know, animals. I cared about people, but I did not care about numbers. Numbers are, that's why we have a financial advisory board, because you don't want me in charge of the money of this church. We want responsible people that it makes sense to. I've got somebody on the board that will take the annual budget that is about 20 pages long, will skim through it and set it down and say, you know, on page 15, you're off by about 15 cents. And I'm like, man, we haven't even started this meeting yet. And he goes, I know, I just, I just glanced through it and I just saw that it was off. It doesn't add up on that particular page. It's like, I'll give you 15 cents. And my wife always tells me, that's not how it works. It's like, all right, I've got a quarter. I'll give you 25 cents. Still not how it works. It has to balance. What's in the bank has to balance with what your checks amount to and what's left over. It's like, who cares? See? So we see that gift from people. Um, and so it's, it's talents. And to various degrees, this is a, a parable about obedience and management of what's not yours. And then the final one that you'll find is the one of the sheep and the goats, probably one of the most famous um, parables in our scripture. And, and that's just a, a parable of, of the lack of compassion of people that call themselves kingdom people. They're just uh, embraced or, or enamored with uh, selfish living, but God expects his, his uh, return on an investment that he's made in you. He invests the blood of Jesus Christ inside of you. He took your sin and he gave you Jesus's righteousness. He became sin for us so that we could become righteousness to God. And so God is saying, hey, I expect a return on that. Uh, read John 15, not part of 
the Passion Week. Well, actually, it is part of the Passion Week. But read John 15, um, the story of the vine and the branches. If you stay connected to the, 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 the main um, vine, you'll, you're going to bear fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, you need to ask yourself, am I connected to the vine? And before you say, yes, I'm more loving, that's not the fruit. Honest to goodness, that is not the fruit from that parable. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's not your fruit. Your fruit is grapes. And grapes make more grapevines. So clearly Jesus is talking about discipleship. You making more disciples as the Holy Spirit bears fruit in your life. And, and clearly Jesus says, if you're connected to me, it, it's, it's an automatic thing. You'll bring more people to church. You'll bring more people to the Lord. And so there was a time in my life that I began to ask, am I doing that? Not that you got to stand on a street corner, you know, every week, but are you investing in the lives of people and literally sharing your story, sharing your Jesus story and talking to them about it? All of these stories carries a bit of a theme, and that being that the Jews, because remember, he's talking to, to the Jews in, in all of these stories, he's talking to Jewish people. It's a Jewish high season for celebration and holiday. The Jews have forsaken God and the trust that God has given them, and subsequently has forsaken their reward through eternity. Remember, Jesus calls, I mean, excuse me, the Lord calls the, the, the Jews his chosen people. But what that means is that he had chosen them to invest in them. And you see that all nations were going to be, we talked about this last week, blessed through Abraham, that the Jewish people were supposed to be the priests to the world, to introduce us to God and to invite us to God. And, but, but they were going to be the chosen people. And it does not appear that that's what's going on. And these stories are all about how they've forsaken that and they've just gotten themselves wrapped up. Explicitly, Jesus is just slapping the Jewish elite and the religious elite in the face. He is slapping them right in the face. Um, for, for, for people that are caught up in this idea that Jesus is quiet and he's solemn and he's sanctified and he's super holy and religious and a doormat, if you would. Okay, we've got this idea that this is a, we need to understand that this is a different picture of Jesus when he starts telling these stories. I would challenge you, if that's your picture of Jesus, that, you know, we're all just supposed to be love, love, and flowers and daisies. And I'm not saying we have to be ugly people. I'm just saying, understand a true picture of Jesus. I preached the message here a long time ago. Is your Jesus a big red Clifford the red dog? You know, a stuffy animal that you can just squeeze Jesus? And he's like that new emoji that cares, and it's like a huggy emoji with the little heart. You, you don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, well, I use it a lot now. But anyway, it, so, some of you, that's Jesus to you. It's that stuffed animal on your bed that's just, oh, it's so loving, it's wonderful. And, and, and we've got to understand, we get our concepts or our ideas of God a lot of times we filter it through our past. I'm somebody that did not have a great relationship with a father figure in my life. It was ugly. I won't, I won't get into it here, but just understand, when I came to God, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand the word father because it was not a healthy word to me. And, and so I began to see, I want God to be my father. I want him to pick me up in his lap. I want him to hug me. I want him to tell me I'm in. I want him to tell him he's proud of me. I want him to, so I'm, I'm looking for that kind of a God, but I can't stop understanding that my God is a consuming fire. That's what scripture says. And, and check this out. 
These are the things that I know for a fact, if you're joining us online, these are the things that I know for a fact about Jesus just from reading the words of Jesus. He was sarcastic. He was. I don't know how you feel about that, but he was sarcastic, okay? He was straightforward. He was blunt. He was caustic. I'm going to prove it to you. He was severely offensive. What? The Jesus in my Bible, it's not your Bible. <laughs> it's God's Bible, and you're reading it. But this Jesus is offensive. He called people names. What? Read Matthew 24, 25, 26, or 23, 33 specifically, or 23, 38. He said, oh, you snakes, you brood of vipers. I mean, he's getting ugly with them, all right? But he's also mysterious and loving in all of his teachings. He's hungry for people that are being abused. But he'll stand up to people that are doing the abusing. And he won't miss it. Check this out. When Jesus gets done telling stories in the New Testament, in the red letters, they want to arrest him. That's what the Bible says. When Jesus gets done telling stories in the New Testament, in the red letters, they want to... And then they went out and looked for a way to kill him. That's what the Bible says, not me. It says they went out and looked for a way to kill him. I didn't make that up. When Jesus tells a story and it's in the red letters of your Bible, it says, and then they went out and tried to get rid of him. <laughs> when was the last time you told a friend of yours a story and they're like, we're killing you? You are so dead. We're hanging you. We're taking you right out back. We're going to hang you till you're dead because that story offended us. Never, right? I, I, you know, you might have smarted off to somebody that like jacked you one time, but I'm just saying nobody wanted to kill you. Jesus was so offensive that people wanted to kill him when he was done just teaching. I'm just going to tell you, there's some people that walked away from me and didn't want to hear me teaching anymore, but there is nobody that waited outside with a handgun and said, that's it, you are so done. We don't need you on the planet, you're saying it all wrong. It's over for you, Joe. I've never been there. But there are people that will tell you, Jesus is love. God is love. But you cannot separate him from his justice. You cannot just uh, separate him from being a consuming fire. You cannot just assume that he's our buddy. He is God. We can come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need to find help. That's scripture. But we can't come arrogantly and tell him to do what we say. He's God. And so we look at these, these uh, parables and see, we, we see what's going on. And Jesus is stirring people up and he's doing it on purpose. He's not doing it accidentally. He's doing it on purpose. And a lot of people don't want to talk about that side of Jesus. They really don't. But I'm just telling you, don't take my word for it. Please read it for yourself and, and tell me if I'm wrong. Because I'll, I'll, I'll entertain that conversation. The passage I want to share with you, I'm trying to find one of the parables that kind of sums up all the parables according to Matthew in Passion Week that shows us the passion of Jesus for you, for me. And so we're going to look at the parable of the wedding banquet. 
In Matthew 22, if you have one of these things, you can flip it open. If not, if you've got one of those, you know, phone things, you go to, um, you know, version. you can pop that baby open. It will always show up on the screen for you. But I just would encourage you to get into a habit of spending time in this baby um, and let this baby spend some time inside of you and let it change who you are. But let's just read this from Matthew 22, beginning of verse 1. And it says, Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying, okay, here comes the next parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them, come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those that have been invited that I prepared my dinner, the oxen, the fattened calf, they've all been butchered, everything is ready, come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army, destroyed those murderers, and burned their cities to the ground. I added to the ground. Um, you can accuse me of heresy later, but I, I, I feel like that's the point, okay? Burned those cities down, okay? Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not get, deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet, here comes, anyone. Invite to the banquet, anyone. Anyone is a good word. Anyone is a Joe word. Anyone is an invitation to Joe Wood to not experience hell, to not be lost from God who created me, to be welcomed into the family, to be a part of the, the Hebrew people through a circumcision of my heart, not of my physical body. I am the anyone in this story. You invite anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And I wonder how you just walked up and say, are you a bad person? You know, it's like, hey, you criminal, put that down. Come, we're going to have dinner. Anyway, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with people. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed that there was a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Now, Mind you, it wasn't like he was like, I don't know. It was more like, oh, I'm taking the fifth. I'm not answering the question. I'm not answering it, okay? It's not that he didn't have something to say. He was speechless, meaning he did not say anything, all right? So he was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him up, hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. You know, Jesus also spoke on a scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and following, where he said, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Only he who does the will of my Father in heaven. There will be many in that day that say, Lord, didn't we go out and prophesy? That means preach. Didn't we go out and do miracles? Didn't we go out and cast out demons? And in that day, Jesus says this, in that day, I will tell them, get away from me. I never knew you. Same thing's going on here. What in the world is going on in this story that is just absolutely so amazing? So a parable is told so that you will invest yourself into the story. So you've got to decide where you are in the story. Certainly, I'm anyone. I'm anyone. I want to say that I'm anyone. But sometimes I've got to back up, and even as Joe Wood, the pastor, I've got to stop and say, am I the people that were invited that's taking this glibly and lightly? 
Am I not taking this serious? Am I the one that's saying, Lord, I don't have time for you today? Or like we sang last week and the week before, we will make room for you. How am I living my life? Because the king in the story is God himself. The son is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Moses. He's the prophet from Deuteronomy 18 that I keep speaking about. The Jews were waiting. They were waiting on a prophet to come. They were waiting on the Messiah. So much so that when Jesus was born, Anna uh, Anna and Simeon were in the temple waiting on him. See, they were anticipating it. He meets the woman at the well, and she says, we know that a prophet is coming. And, And it's like, okay. So these people know, and they believe They don't just think it's a good story. They know and they believe. The bride is the church. It's it's those people that are true followers of Christ. The hungry for home folks. Hungry to be in heaven. Hungry to be where Jesus is. Hungry to be done with what's going on in this world. Hungry to see the, the second coming of Jesus. Hungry because God loves us. The banquet is heaven. It's the end of the age. It's when God says, okay, that's it. We're done. It's time. The servants are the prophets, the pastors, the evangelists, and people sharing the truth. You're the servants. If you carry the word and the message of Jesus Christ in your mouth and in your hand, and you tell friends, hey, guess what? God's invited you to a wedding. Hey, let me tell you what happened at church. Hey, why don't you come to my small group? Hey, where does God fit into your life? Then you're the servants. You belong. God's using you, and that's a good thing, okay? The uh, initial invitees are Jewish people with a pure bloodline that don't touch other people. They probably walk through the market like this because they don't want to touch somebody unclean because if they touch somebody unclean, they become unclean. See, that's the scripture. That's what was from Old, Old Testament, okay? And so they're very, very careful. They don't, we don't eat that. We don't do that. We don't say that. We would never watch that. We won't, we won't listen to that. Have you ever met somebody like that? I remember back in the, the 80s when I first became a Christian, 70s, but when I got into the 80s and started paying attention, you know, you say, hey, you know, uh, you know, my kids read this, and they're like, oh, really? I thought you were a Christian. And it's like, what? It's like, you watched Bugs Bunny on TV? You watched a TV? Wait, you have a TV in your house? I thought you loved Jesus. I mean, you ever met those people? They're like, we are not going to touch, think, see, act, look like, smell. We're not going to, no way. We're going to prove that we're the elite. That's who the initial invitees are. The Jewish community. The chosen. And so that's why we know Jesus was smacking these people in the face. The anyone or the whosoevers, that's you and I. Whosoever believes in his name will be saved. That's you and I. We're the whosoevers. I love being an anyone and a whosoever. There should be a, a you know, a book uh, that anyone's and whosoevers, that's who you are. It'd be a great children's book. Um, anyway, the wedding clothes. The wedding clothes are the love and the obedience to Jesus' teaching and doing life God's way. That's wedding clothes. I know this because in the book of um, um, Revelation chapter 19, the scripture will tell us that and you'll see that in a minute. People want to make out though people want to excuse me let me finish that out the attendants are angels during the great judgment they're going to go get the people the trumpet's going to sound the dead in christ are going to rise those of us that are left are going to be caught up in the air with god it's going to happen it's not a fairy tale it's going to happen and we're two thousand years closer to it now than paul and jesus were when they were sharing and so we look at this but we live in a world that um people people say god has has to accept me as i am I'm telling you, as a pastor, I hear that so much. Well, 
God has to accept me. No, 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 no. God does not accept you as you are. And I need you to get this into your heart because it's not semantics, okay? God accepts us where we are, but not as we are. You say, what's the difference? If God accepts us as we are, then Jesus did not have to come and die for us. So he can't accept us as we are. So when somebody says, well, God's just going to have to accept me as I am, what they're saying is, uh, God should be pretty impressed with me. And it's like, come on, folks. We are not the center of the universe. God is. And that's where we need to be. We need to be of the awareness that we come to God and he has saved us. We are not doing God a favor by coming to him. He loves us and is hungry for us and wants us to come. So we recognize that God accepts us where we are, but not as we are. And then there's that come as you are, but don't stay that way. See, we're looking for that transformation. What a story about the kingdom of heaven, the wedding banquet. How amazing, I mean, we could, we could dig deeper and deeper and deeper into this thing, but, but just recognize this. Jesus is talking about a time when he comes back. You know, you go to the sheep and the goats, and we're talking about a time when God is coming back. Jesus is coming back to get us. But even he does not know the time or day or the hour. So what he's doing is, because if he's passionately in love with us, he says, then I got to tell you these stories so you'll understand it when it begins to unfold in front of your face. And I don't know about you, but the last year, last two years, last four years, it's been unfolding in front of our faces. It really is. I do not believe that the battle that you see going on is between Republican and Democrat, between right and left. What you see going on is a battle between heaven and hell. And I'm not saying this is that and that's that. I'm just saying the crazy, the lack of common sense that we see in places is nothing more than spiritual warfare. And you and I are thinking of it on physical human terms when there's a spiritual battle going on and we've got to back up and say it's not them it's who's behind them pushing their buttons driving them and we've got to get back to praying you know, it's not one of these deals if I can get everybody to believe like me the world would be a better place and we can fix it if I can get everybody into the presence of God and surrender their life you would be surprised what could happen but according to Matthew 24 and 25 that's not ever going to happen according to, according to Psalm 139 that's not ever going to happen things are not going to get better down here in our human abilities to make and, and, and be things until Jesus comes back it's not going to get better so he left us this parable as a warning, as a teaching, and as a reminder to be alert. Pay attention. Because it's not about how you got treated at work. It's how you treat people at work. This story is about an invitation. I'm going to do this rather quickly, but this story is about an invitation. You ever gotten an invitation somewhere? I mean like a real, like you got the invitation and you got to tell people about it. I have. I don't know about you, but um, I became the area leader for the vineyard churches for this region um, of the United States, for the Kentucky, you know, I mean, this part of Kentucky. And what I didn't know is that, you know, necessarily was what happens when I get the invitation to go to San Diego. San Diego, yeah. In March, I get to go to San Diego almost every year. Sometimes it's somewhere else. But I, I get to go on this trip. I get to get out of the Ohio Valley. I get to get out from under the clouds. I get to realize that there really is sunshine somewhere. In the middle of March, I'm sick of this place. I've had enough. Stop the clouds, Lord. Give me some sunshine. 
And I, listen, don't pretend you don't because you're like posting pictures of you at the beach last year at the beach, wishing you were at the beach, trying to pretend with everybody that you're at the beach and everybody's like, oh man, we're stuck in Kentucky, but you're at the beach. Well, I get to go to San Diego for a training and they pay for it all. So, yeah, I got an invitation. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to talk about it, getting an invitation. There's a couple um, friends of ours that used to throw this great party on a regular basis. I mean, they have the gift, the hospitality. And this party was so amazing. It was so amazing that when UPS or FedEx or whoever showed up with the invitation to the party, you didn't care about the party. You cared that you got the invitation and you opened up the box and there was this magnificently crafted, artistic, I mean, creative invitation. And I just wanted the invitations to the party. I went to the party. The parties were great. But the invitation, we had to talk about it. And we need to be talking about our invitation from God. God's given us an invitation. You got invited to the wedding feast of the, of the eternity. The lamb, and it's there. And God is letting us know that it's coming by the words that he said in Deuteronomy 18, 14 to 20, the nations you will dispossess, speaking to the Jewish people, he said, will listen to those who practice sorcery and divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do it. You don't mix religions. You don't mix Christianity and astrology. You don't mix Christianity and pagan religion. You don't mix Christianity and other, any other religion. It's Christianity and that's it. Jesus said, I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Anybody can come but God's way. See? And that's how it needs to be. But we've got the invitation. It's ours. We won. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses is saying that. So he, that's, that's, he's talking about Jesus. He's saying Jesus is going to come. This is in Deuteronomy, thousands of years before Jesus. He says he's going to come. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day that you assembled when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God or see his great fire anymore or we will die. They had an understanding of who God was. And the Lord said to me, Moses speaking, what they say is good. So I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell them everything I've commanded him. And I myself will call to account anybody that does not listen to my words that the prophet may speak in my name. And I'll stop right there. He goes on to say, but anybody that's a false prophet gets stoned outside the city. But the point is the Jews were anticipating Jesus. They were. He was going to come. And then Jesus steps up and says, come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's an invitation. It's the invitation that Moses was speaking about in Deuteronomy 18. Come, follow me. And then with the invitation comes an expectation, an expectation of transformation. According to Paul, as he writes to the church in Rome, be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come as you are, but don't stay that way. God has an expectation for us to be doing righteous acts that were prepared for the saints to do long before the world was created. That's what the scripture says. That we were called to do these righteous acts, which God had prepared in advance for us to do. He prepared for us to do good, to love people. We don't have to go around beating them up and throwing rocks at them. Listen to me, the world does not have to become Christian. We've got to get that idea out of our head. We want them to become Christian. But they don't 
have to become Christian. And you know what non-Christians do best? Sin. And the idea that we would expect non-Christian people to not act, I mean, to act as Christian people is kind of, it's kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Why? Why would they do that if they don't believe what we believe? But you and I also know that we should have a broken heart because their end will be different than ours. And we don't want that for them. So we don't do it with a rock. We do it with an invitation. And we don't mix the words. We do it truthfully and respectfully. We love people and say, there's a bus coming. It's not wrong for me to tell you that if you stand on that road, you're going to get hit by it. And it will kill you dead. But I don't have to be mean and ugly when I tell you it. It's an invitation. And that invitation has an expectation of us telling people that. To do it lovingly and peacefully, but to stand up to the abuse around us on behalf of other people. The book of Revelation 19, I told you, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. This is what Jesus was speaking about. And his bride has made herself ready. That's the church. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. You see that in parentheses? Okay, I didn't put that there. It's written in your Bible. The fine linen are the righteous acts. We're called to love people. But we're called to be honest with people as well. We've got to stop encouraging them to sin and blessing their sin. And we've got to be willing to say, God has a better plan for you. Come, follow me as I follow Christ, is what Paul said. But we say, come and join us. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. But what happens when we treat that invitation as an unholy, not special, or a casual thing, and we tread it underfoot and we don't give it any thought? What happens when we think, well, the Lord's not coming back. He's been gone too long. Sound like a parable of Jesus? It does to me. He's been gone so long, he's probably not coming back. Well, we get to, we get to reading this right here. And it says, how much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled, uh, trampled the Son of God underfoot and who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them? The invitation, Jesus. And who has insulted the Spirit of grace? What hope is there for them? Because sooner or later, you and I are going to embrace the realization, and that's the last thing that I'm going to share with you before we wrap this up. See, there's an invitation. There's an expectation. And then there's the realization of the invitation. It's one thing to get the party invitation, right? But you still have to wait till party day. <laughs> you don't get to go to the party. You can't show up a week early. That's creepy. It's just wrong. You have to show up when it's time for the party. And so when you realize the party, when you get to embrace the party, it's just like Noah. Jesus said in the book of Luke, or Luke records Jesus as saying, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man, for you and I. Jesus, Son of Man, capital S, capital M. People were eating, drinking, marrying, and given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark, and then the flood came and destroyed them all. They weren't doing anything wrong. Jesus just simply says, people were living their lives and going about it, not anticipating that God was going to do anything. Noah had been building that ark for 100, 120 years, and he'd been telling them that the rain was going to come, but they just were treating it, you know, um, um, casually, like, nah, nah, nah. And then suddenly, um, the realization came. The rain started falling. See? And then pretty soon, they were knee-deep in the water. Pretty soon... Everybody went in the ark that was going in the ark that believed, and God shut them in. Noah and his family couldn't open the ark if they wanted to. There comes a point when it's too late. 
But we think of God as love, 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 and we're like, well, I can't worship a God who won't just do whatever I say. Listen, that's not God. That's your imagination and your ego. God is God. And when he closed the door on the ark, nobody else could get in and eight people in all were saved. And that's it because everybody treated the invitation from Noah as a casual thing and chose not to believe it. And the scripture says the flood came and destroyed them all. Noah was called, Noah was mocked, Noah was obedient, the rains came. Matthew records it a couple of chapters later in one of um, his um, teachings through Passion Week. This is how it will be at the coming of man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch because you don't know on what day your Lord will come. Suddenly the rain was there. We talk about the trumpet sounding, the dead in Christ rising, those that are left being caught up in the air with them. And it's not a storybook. It's the truth. It's going to happen. And then there's going to be the realization. We will embrace the reality of it. The world will embrace the realization of it. But it will be too late. Jesus is passionate for people, so much so that he had to tell these stories so that they would understand and they would recognize that God loves them. He's not trying to wreck their fun, but listen, he is God Almighty. And for us to fold our hands across our chest and say, well, I can't worship a God that allows this to happen or does this or does that. It's like, are you kidding me? Who is Joe Wood to think that he's, he's so smart that he can tell God what to do? Wow. Wow. The realization is going to come for those people when the rain starts to fall. And then there's no way to get into the boat. Jesus said two people will be grinding at the wheel. And in the twinkling of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, one of them is going to disappear. Jesus said two men are going to be out in the field working. In the twinkling of an eye, gone. Where'd he go? Where's mom? Where's dad? Where's my brother? Where's my where's my guy? We were working together right here. Where'd he go? How'd he pull that off? Two people will be lying in bed, one of the gospel writers says. One will disappear. Hey, where'd you go? Are you in the other room? What are you doing? Where are you? gone. I'm just being honest with you. This is Jesus trying to be honest. He loves us so much. He's trying to be honest with us. It's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but I'm just telling you, you look at the last four years of our life in this country and you begin to understand it could happen fast when we don't expect it, when we're not ready. And so we have to live ready so that we don't have to get ready. Because like a thief in the night, that trumpet's going to sound, and it's going to be over. And we're going to be caught up and be in the presence of God. And you can't get ready when the trumpet blows. So what are you doing with the invitation, come and follow me? Because Jesus was passionate about you and I, and he was passionate about us being informed so that we could see the times, that we could understand that it's getting close so that we could understand that, hey, this is happening just the way Jesus said. Huh. Hey, we see it. I'm not saying it's going to happen today. I'm just saying we're that much more closer. Are we living like people of the kingdom with joy in our hearts, 
but a fear for people that are going to be left here. And, and like I just shared with you, friends and family. People that are waiting on an invitation to your small group. People that just want to hear you sit down and say, <laughs> they say, how'd your weekend go? So, I don't know. The preacher got a little whack this weekend, started preaching about the end of time. And I, I guess he just was preaching Jesus's words, but you ever think about the end of times? And let them share with you their heart. And just don't be ashamed to correct it. It's okay. Don't, don't correct it with a rock. Correct it with an invitation to look at the scripture. What does the Bible say about what the Bible says? Because at the end of the day, he wrote it down so that we could see it. And what's going to be our argument? Listen, Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells you so. I know that. I share this with you, not to be like, oh, that's so heavy. Passion Week was heavy. The parables were Jesus loving us so much he had to tell us so that we could see it. But Jesus didn't know when that time was going to be. He said, only the Father knows. But I'm going to give you some clues what to look for. And he laid it out for us. And so I would encourage you to be aware of that. You and I are born separated from God. You did not sin and therefore became a sinner. You were born a sinner. You were born with sin inside of your life. You can, you can look at that six ways from Sundays, but you're going to end up knowing that you were born with sin in your life. You're rebellious. The fact that you're sitting there going, no, I didn't. You're rebellious. <laughs> That's sin in your life saying, no, I didn't. <laughs> it's like, yes, we did. But Jesus came and died and took that sin and we became his righteousness so that we could be united back to the Father. And it's his work, not ours. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. He loves us. He loves us so much that he's telling us the truth so that we don't miss it. And we dare not miss it. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you've never said, yes, Lord, that's me. I'm that sinner. And I am in desperate need of you. Here's my life. What do you want to do with it? We want to pray with you. That's all it is. We're not going to ask you to come up here and delineate all the sins you've ever committed. That's not what it's about. It's about the recognition that God loves you so much. He took that sin. Don't take it back. Don't ask him if you can have it again. Walk with him. Recognize that forgiveness. You're not in and out and in and out and in and out. You're in. You're in. Now walk like you're in. Live like you're in. Live like you belong. Live like you already got the invitation. You're waiting on the party. But in the meantime, he's wanting us to tell people and to share our invitation. And I would encourage you in that. If there's anything else going on in your life, something you're facing, some big hill, some tragedy, some loss of job, some health issue, can we pray with you today? Jesus' Passion Week was about touching people and talking to people and, and letting people know that God loves them. Bringing healing into their life. That's what we want to do here at the Vineyard. We want to love people. Those of you that are at home, listen, you can go to vineyardrichmond.com and down in the right-hand corner, a little green button, it says chat. Go ahead and click that thing. And there's somebody waiting right there. It's not automated. It's a real person. And they want to pray with you through technology. I love technology. I love that God opened up the world to ministry through technology. And you can be a part of that. But we're going to sing this closing song. And we're going to wrap things up. 
And I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in this. Read these, these passages over the next couple of weeks as we head to Easter. See what God says about his love for you. Ask yourself, who are you in the parables? Recognize that he wants you to have the information, that he was so desperate for it that week that he just, he just kind of threw it up every day. I got to tell you this one. I got to tell you this one. I got to tell you this one. Because he wants us to have it. And then he made sure they were written down so that we could read them to a generation not uh, yet not yet born that they would believe that's you let's come up to our feet but we're going to have a prayer as we get ready and anticipate this father as we come before you we just thank you for these words we thank you for these parables god we thank you for this truth we thank you for the blessing of who you are we thank you for the manner in which you've quickened our hearts the manner in which you've made us think about the stories and where do we find ourselves and, and that conviction just and that means you love us because you're giving us the awareness of it but as we come to you God we recognize your mercy we recognize your grace we recognize your gift on Calvary and we thank you for that thank you for the blood of Jesus it cleanses us from all unrighteousness thank you for forgiveness when we're willing to get up and confess our sins to you Thank you for putting your arms around us and calling us sons and daughters. Thank you for calling us children. Thank you that Jesus calls us brother. Thank you that we're joint heirs. Thank you that that sometimes means we have to just struggle down here. But the time is coming when the trumpet will blow and it will sound like beautiful music. Only quicken our hearts for our neighbors, for our families. Help us to be bold in our fears. Help us to be a generation willing to share the truth and extend an invitation. We ask this in Jesus' blessed and holy name.